Well, here we are, the first Sunday of a new year. What a blessing it is to be together this morning, to look out and see all those who've come to honor the God of heaven. And uh, we do have visitors with us, as has been said, so thankful that you're here. It's a privilege for us to have you, but it's also a privilege for you to be here, not because of us, but because of who the Lord is and who it is that you're honoring today by your presence. God is great and greatly to be magnified, and we're thankful that we can come together to do that today. So on this first, first day of the week of the new year, we want to here at Eastside look forward to uh, our focus, our emphasis for the year to come. Each year, the elders and I work together to put together a theme for the year that is not certainly all that we're going to be talking about. It's not uh, going to encompass everything that we'll do or try to do this year at Eastside, but it will help us uh, focus our attentions on something that will, will be very important and is important in God's Word. God expects excellence from those who serve Him. And might I say maybe more clearly that God deserves excellence from those who serve Him. He deserves our, our best in everything, whether we're talking about our relationships with one another, uh, what we do together in the assembly of the church, what we do uh, in his name, in our community, among our fellow man, uh, in the relationships that we have with people at work, at school, or whatever it might be. There's always, there's always room for improvement also in anything that we do. I hope that you see that. I hope that as morning, uh, you can confess to yourself that there's always room for improvement. If we don't believe that that's the case, then uh, we might just must be perfect already, right? We do, we do everything perfectly. We do everything to the very best that it can possibly be done. We never make mistakes. We never fall short of the best that we can do. Well, no, nobody's going to say that, right? <laughs> Surely not. There is always, there is always room for improvement. There's always room to get better. And so it is really our privilege to seek to excel in anything, especially that brings glory to God. We want to do the very best that we can do in bringing glory to God. And so the intention of our theme this year is to draw us away from complacency and from self-satisfaction and to draw us toward humility and fervency and self-examination and diligence that we may achieve excellence. The goal is to challenge every member in this congregation to make an effort to add to your faith excellence. That's what Peter says to do in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. That's the New English translation. Add to your faith excellence. Now some translations there say virtue. The word that's being translated is the Greek word arete. And I talked about this in uh, the class with the young married couples this morning, but I want to talk a little bit about the Greek concept of arete, because it's a, a concept borrowed very much from the Greek culture, as are some other words that we have in our New Testaments. The New Testament's written in Greek originally, and arete among the Greeks was the concept of doing everything the very best that it could possibly be done. And it was the virtue in Greek culture. So whether it was their architecture, their poetry, their philosophy, uh, their 
political systems, whatever it was, their ideal was that which is the very best. And we will seek to achieve with all of our might, with all that we are, the very best in everything that we do. Whether you're, you're, you're you know, playing the liar or you're fighting a war or whatever it is, you were going to do it the very best that it could be done. That was the Greek ideal. And the New Testament borrows that word here in 2 Peter 1 and verse 5. We're called to excellence, to virtue, to being the very best, to doing the very best that we can be or do. The concept is not foreign to other cultures. Certainly in the Old Testament, even Solomon says something about it, I think, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, when he says, whatever your hand finds to do it with all do it to the best of your ability. Do it with all that you have in you. Do it excellently. The Lord commands that we seek to excel. This is not just, you know, something that we're deriving from something that may or may not actually be said in Scripture. This is literally said in the New Testament. And it's given to us in a couple of places, as we'll see, really as a command. It, it is not okay for us to set on our laurels, to be satisfied with what we've already accomplished, to just sit here in complacency and in self-satisfaction, thinking that we're already everything that we ought to be and accomplishing everything that we ought to do. It is not pleasing to God and not in alignment with His will. He encourages us, He commands us, to seek to excel. In 1 Corinthians 14, this is our first sort of theme passage that we'll look at. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians about their zealousness for spiritual gifts. Seems like all of the Corinthians wanted to have uh, some form of spiritual gift or another, but especially they wanted to speak in tongues. And of course, in the first century, God was working miracles uh, among his people. Uh, for several reasons, but the main one was to bring his word into the world and to verify that it was indeed his word. Now, Paul will tell the Corinthians, actually has already told them, that those miracles are going to cease. For 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8, there would be a time when tongue speaking would be done away with. It wouldn't be needed anymore. But here in Corinth, it was a very active spiritual gift, and there were many Corinthians who wanted to excel in uh, worship to God, and so many of them wanted this gift of tongue, tongue speaking. So Paul is reasoning with them that they're actually better gifts than that. In fact, he's already talked to them about a, a much better thing than tongue speaking or than any of the miracles. First Corinthians 13, he takes time out from his discussion with them to tell them that, you know, what's better than all of those spiritual gifts put together? You know what's better than all of them? Love is. Love is. He says, I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he tells them about love. But getting back to uh, the context of 1 Corinthians 14, then we come to this statement of the Apostle Paul. He says, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. And so although we don't have those miraculous spiritual gifts anymore, as we said, Paul said, they'd be done away with, yet if we're going to seek to serve the Lord, 
let's seek to excel, let's seek to excel in that service. If we're going to seek to edify one another, which is what the assembly is all about later on in this chapter, he says about the assembly that all things be done for edification, for the building up of one another. Everything we do in an assembly of God's people should be to build one another up in our faith and in our service to the Lord. Seek to excel in the edification of God. What does that mean in terms of practicality? That the song leader is just going to, you know, kind of mumble through the songs and, well, he, he may or may not pick out a song that has to do with anything or maybe scriptural or not, may not, may not try to lead us, to uh, encourage us to sing it with all of our might. And we're just going to kind of, uh, you know, slump through the song service. Is, is that what we're going to do? When the preacher gets up to preach, uh, I'm just going to, you know, not study and not think about what needs to be said and not pray about that and just stand up here and say something first thing that comes to my mind, right? Or are we striving for excellence in all things? Are the prayers that are prayed, are they thoughtful? Jordan did a wonderful job of leading our minds to think about what the Lord's Supper was all about this morning. You can tell a whole lot of thought went into that. We're striving for excellence in all that we do. In all that we do. And that's the challenge of 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12. Now the word excel there in that text is a different word in the original language. It's parisio. uh, And it it comes into play a little later in this lesson. I tell you that, that the words translated excel here, we'll see it a number of times translated in other ways in later verses in a few minutes. So we are to excel, to seek to excel, for the edification of the church in our assemblies. But later, Paul will tell the Corinthians that in essence, that they are to seek to excel in everything. So go over with me to 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the Corinthians to make good on a pledge that they'd sort of made to take up an offering uh, for, or maybe that's not even the right way to say that, to give funds for the needy saints in Jerusalem. Uh, He encouraged them to do that in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. And now in 2 Corinthians, sometime later, the Corinthians had not followed through on that. Other churches had done that. Uh, Paul praises other churches who had been very good about giving for the special needs of the saints in Jerusalem and in Judea. He says, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 1, Brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship for the ministering to the saints. So here are these churches in Macedonia, and they're just giving superfluously. They're just giving overabundantly, even though they didn't have all of that much, all that much, but they're giving from the bottom of their hearts for this great cause. He says, not only as we'd hoped in verse 5, but first they gave themselves to the Lord. It's interesting to me, that Paul is, is using what we might even call a bit of a, a friendly competition between the churches, if you will, uh, to see which one or which ones would, out of love, be the best givers. 
And he's really telling the Corinthians, look, the churches of Macedonia, they're doing better than you guys right now. <laughs> they're doing a whole lot better. They've, they've given and they've given, and, and even out of their poverty they've given. You guys haven't done anything along this line. And then that brings us to what he has to say in verse 7. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now the word abound, it's found twice in that verse. But it comes from the same word that was just translated excel in 1 Corinthians. Same word. And in fact, the ESV, which we have on the screen, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In fact, let me read it from the screen, the English Standard Version. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now, we talk sometimes about necessary implications. You know, some things that are said in the verse without actually being said. One of the things that's said in this verse without maybe actually being said is that there's an expectation of God, from God, that we excel in everything. The, the Corinthians were already excelling in everything except this one thing. You see how Paul puts that? You were excelling in faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, all of these things. You're excelling in all of this. You need to see that you excel in this thing too. Why is that? Because in our service to God, God deserves excellence in everything that we do. Not just some of the things. Not just the things that we like to do. Not just the things that are easy for us to do. But in everything. That's what God deserves. And in that, the Corinthians had been lacking. They hadn't been giving as they ought to have given. There was a lot of room for improvement. So in these two passages, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7, in both of them, we see God's expectation for a church and for members of a church to excel. God expects and deserves excellence. Psalm 29 and verse 2, give to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Why would the Lord require Christians to give their best in every area? Well, he deserves it. He is God. But beyond that, maybe the more obvious reason is that mediocrity leads to indifference and indifference leads to mediocrity. So if I think I can serve the Lord and with just a ho-hum effort, if I think I can serve the Lord in just a mediocre way, I'm doing it, but it's not really the best I can do, then what I'm saying is that, that God is not really the best and the most important. My indifference leads to my mediocrity, and mediocrity will foster more indifference. And so the more I'm satisfied with being self-satisfied with a half-hearted effort, with a half-way effort, in my service to God, the less and less I'm respecting Him, the less and less I'm devoted to Him. It's so easy to fall into the trap of settling for the status quo. Of, well, we're doing that well enough, 
Yeah, we could do that better, but it's good enough. The good enough mentality is not the mentality of a Christian in his service to the God of heaven. It cannot be. There's a big difference between doing a pretty good job and excellence. Excellence always requires more work, more sacrifice, more diligence. And it is something, as we said, that God deserves and expects, and it's something that the name of Jesus deserves. So in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, sorry, Colossians 3 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul, in the well-known passage, encourages the Colossians along this line. He says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So everything that we do in our lives, whether we're here together in the assembly, whether we're living day by day with our families out in the world, everything that we as Christians do is to be done in the name of Jesus. We are representing Jesus. We are showing Jesus through us in our lives. When people look at us, they should see Jesus. All of that is implied in Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. How excellent is the name of Jesus? I'm doing everything in his name if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in Colossians 3.17. So the next question is, how excellent is his name? In the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of the Hebrews is uh, really at pains in the first chapter to show us the excellence of the name of Jesus. And he talks about Christ in the first couple of verses of the Hebrew letter, saying that he is he's the very brightness of God. Uh, one translation says the effulgence of his glory, the radiance of God himself. He is the character of God. And then he goes on to talk about how much better Jesus is than the angels who are heavenly beings but cannot compare to Jesus he says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. More excellent name than the angels. That sounds like a pretty excellent name, doesn't it? That's the name of Jesus. It's an excellent name. It's the name that you and I represent as we do all in the name of the Lord. How excellent is your name in all the earth. And so, if, if it bears his name, and the very word Christian bears his name, but if it's something that bears his name, then it's worth our best effort then it deserves excellence if it's something that bears his name. You know, there's, a, there's a sign out here across that out, outer wall. <laughs> Eastside Church of Christ. That's the name we wear. It deserves excellence. It deserves our best. 
If you think of top brand automobiles, luxury brands, for instance, like, say, Porsche or Lexus or Cadillac, they are, are known for excellence in everything. In fact, they compete with one another to get the highest ratings from J.D. Power and other companies, you know, who's the most excellent this year in customer service or in quality or whatever like that. And the way that they do that is by striving to do everything that they do, whether it's the way they build the cars, the design of the cars, uh, the look of the cars, the marketing of the cars, the customer service of the cars after they're sold, everything about it, the very best that it can be done. the very best that it can be done. Now, I can tell you a lot of other car companies aren't concerned with doing the very best that it can be done. They will tell you that. They might be concerned with doing it the, the, most, uh, the most cheaply that it can be done, right? The cheapest that it can be done. How, much, how can we save cost on this? That may be, but, but of, of, of the premium car companies, that's not the, that's not the mindset. Jesus is premium. The kingdom of heaven is premium. It deserves our best no matter the cost. Nick was talking as he was leading the singing. He mentioned Christ gave, is the best. Gave his best. What should we do? Give our best for him. Now, the thing is, as we've said many times from this pulpit, if we just look at our own abilities and who we are as mere human beings, when it comes to giving God excellence, frankly, we're in a world of trouble because our own human abilities and frailties make our, make our efforts fairly meager, frankly. But God helps us. God enables excellence in his people. It's not like he's expecting us to do it on our own. He, in fact, he guides us into the way that is excellent. In Isaiah 28 and verse 29, Isaiah speaks of that which comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. His guidance is excellent, and it leads us into excellence. His his Power strengthens us to stand on higher ground. I sang a song about that this morning. In Psalm 18 and verse 31, For who is God except the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and he sets me on the high places. God lifts us up, strengthens us, empowers us. To live on a higher plane. To move upward. He motivates us to reach higher and press upward. In Philippians chapter 3, you know, the Apostle Paul in that chapter compares his life before he became Christian, his life in Judaism, with his life in Christ. And if you had looked at Paul's life in Judaism, you would say, wow, there's somebody who's really accomplished a lot. He, you know, here he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He was, you know, uh, just a, a top-notch 
uh, Jew in every way. A Hebrew of Hebrews, he calls himself. And looked at him from that standpoint, as, as a Hebrew looking at a Hebrew, you would have said, that man has achieved excellence. He has, by his learning, by his devotion, by his adherence to the law, all of that, he has achieved excellence. That's what you would have said. And Paul says, it's all garbage. What I achieved was nothing. Listen to him. I count all things loss, he says in Philippians 3 and verse 8. All of those things. I count loss for the excellence, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness. It's not the excellence that I achieve, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then he says, as he picks up the thought in verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, even now as a Christian. He realizes... He's thrown all of that away that he achieved in in Judaism. But he realizes every day that even the great apostle Paul had more to do. Better, he, he could get better. He could improve. And so the way he puts that is this. He says, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I'm not there even yet. But one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul is forward thinking. He's forward moving. He's always trying to do more, trying to do better. What he says in this next line is so impressive. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, it's an upward call. Higher I'm climbing each passing day. Hilltops of glory now rise in view. That's the mindset of the great apostle. Higher I'm climbing each passing day. And so today I will do better than I did yesterday. And tomorrow I will do better than today. In everything I do to serve the Lord. That's his mindset. As we go through the pages of the New Testament, we are over and over and over again challenged to excellence. This might not appear evident in every translation that we use, but I want to assure you that it's the case. The more we excel, the more God is glorified, and God deserves all of the glory that we can give him. And so excellence in all things includes excellence in these things, at least, which are specifically mentioned in Scripture as things that we are to excel in. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, Therefore, beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, you may remember at the first part of this lesson, just a little bit ago, uh, I told you that there was this word that's translated in some places abounding or abound. It's also translated excel in several places. The dictionary definition of it from Thayer's Greek lexicon is to have abundance, to abound in, or to excel. It's the meaning of the word. 
This word in 1 Corinthians 15, always abounding, is that word. Always excelling in the work of the Lord. The idea is there's a lot more of it and there's a lot more that's better of it. We are abounding in the work of the Lord. We are excelling in the work of the Lord. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, the Colossians were rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So here, here you go. That word abounding, same word, excelling. Excelling in it with thanksgiving. So what about, what about the Colossians? They were established in the faith, weren't they? Isn't that what he says? You're built up in him. You're established in the faith. Okay, well, we're established in the faith, so we've made it. We don't have to improve any more on this, right? Is that what Paul tells you? No. He says, you're, abound, you're established and you're abounding in the faith, but what? You need to continue excelling in it. More of it. More of it than you have achieved. Even now, you continue. You grow in it. About righteousness. You know what the Bible says about righteousness? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, we know we're not saved by our own righteousness, but the righteousness which is from God, we saw that in Philippians 3. God enables us to be righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the higher calling that we've already talked about, through the strength that he gives us. When you think about Judaism in the time of Jesus, you look at the scribes and the Pharisees, You'd think, well, these are people who are so righteous, you just couldn't be any more righteous. That's what a Jew might have thought. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The word exceeds there, same word. It's translated elsewhere, abound or excel. Unless your righteousness is more excellent, more excellent than that of the scribes and Pharisees. You're not going to make it to heaven. We have to excel in righteousness. In our, in our daily walk, Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you abound more and more. The New American Standard Version of 1995 there says, instead of abound more and more, that you excel still more. It's that same word. Exhort in the Lord Jesus that you excel still more in your daily walk. The way you learn to walk in the Lord. Every day we can improve our walk in Christ. That's the challenge. That's the exhortation of 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1. And so it is with our love. Again, right there in 1 Thessalonians 4, as Paul writes to this new church that he had just recently planted, he says, concerning brotherly love, you had no need that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And the word increase there is that same Greek word, abound, excel, that you excel more in your love. You're, you're, you're taught by God to love each other. You are loving each other. You're loving others as well. You need to do more of it. You need to excel in that. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, 
Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says, I pray that your love may abound, same word, still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Years ago, uh, when I was taking some education classes at the University of Alabama, I was forced to read a book, okay? It's a good book. It's written by an educator by the name of John Gardner, and the title of the book was Excellence. Simple title, and it had to do with uh, striving for excellence in education. And I might say that education is a field where we need more people striving for excellence, as in many fields. Gardner wrote this. He says, excellence is doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. Whether it's a good work that you're doing for somebody else, an act of faith, in your service to the Lord, some part of your daily walk in serving Him, the way you love your brothers and sisters, the way you love your fellow man. It's not good enough to be just good enough. We must do those things that are ordinary for Christians, but in extraordinary ways. There is, in the end, no sacrifice, no effort that is too much. There just isn't. And so every day of this year, let's give God our all. For He is our all. As I said to begin with, In this theme, we hope to draw ourselves away from complacency and self-satisfaction. We need to be humble and fervent, examine ourselves, be diligent, and grow excellence. We must answer the call to excellence that God has made. As we close this morning, just one more thought for you. I read in reading several things about excellence and its nature and the way it's illustrated. A story about uh, something that happened in the Swiss Alps not too long ago. Uh, A climbing party had got lost in a terrible snowstorm, and so they'd sent the rescue climbing party up to find them and rescue them. And one of the climbers of the rescue party, the the storm was so bad, uh, actually perished in trying to uh, ascend the mountain. And um, later on, they buried him in the spot where he died. And they put a, a, a little stone there, a plaque, and inscribed it with this three-word sentence. He died climbing. He died climbing. This year, our prayer, our aim is higher ground. There may well be some one or ones in this room this morning who will not make it to the end of this year. Every year I've been here, we've had deaths in this congregation. But whether it's our year to go or not, 
must die climbing. Upward. Let's go. Thank you for your good attention this morning. Is there someone who would give your life to Jesus today? Who'd be willing to name the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior and confessing that, turn away from a life of sin, be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Could you do that today and start this wonderful journey of life that winds up in heaven itself? We'd ask you to come while we stand and sing.